Welcome to Growth Interviews. Real experts around the globe giving away their best so that you can become smarter. Uh, hello everyone and thanks for joining us to a new episode of Growth Interviews. I'm Valentin Radu and I'm now here with the legend. Here's Jeffrey Eisenberg, uh, which is actually one of the founding fathers of conversion rate optimization. He was uh, working with a lot of uh, big companies and uh, he, he's a book writer and he's, he's one of the figures that I was following back 10 years ago so that I can become customer centric with my former company. So, Jeffrey, thanks a lot for joining us, and it's a pleasure and an honor to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I'm the only legend I thought was in my own mind, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Jeffrey, to, to, to start a bit, tell me how you've, how you've started as, as a be- at the beginning. So, tell us a, a story regarding how was the start back in 1998? I think I'm not wrong. So in 1998, we started the company. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, my brother and I, Brian, who I know some of your audience knows, you know, Brian and I, yeah. Bert, um, we were doing sales training for companies. And we had an interesting model. And the model was we would train their group and then we would share in how the company grew. And what we learned is that. Um, as so often for any type of consultant, um, when you succeed with the client, it's their fault. When you fail, it's our fault. <laughs> yeah. Right? So um, so we were doing that. We weren't very successful um, in money, but we were doing really well with clients. And it had to do with the idea that um, I took my brother out of uh, – uh, graduate school, he was studying to be a social worker, and we both had a deep interest in um, psychology and why people did things, and you know, so this is what we were doing. Um, and Brian had been involved in things like bulletin boards since he was like 10 years old, um, and I was not, right? I mean, I basically, I, I, I to be fair, I used the first PC Junior Right, right out of college, but I was not as interested. And he kept saying, look, look, look. And he kept showing me things. And as he showed me things, but to me, it looked absurd in the early, in, in the mid nineties and early two thousands, people were still talking about eyeballs, you, you know, and we never met an eyeball that would give you any money. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's we were sure that if we started doing what we knew, right that basically um, the, the CEOs of companies would come, they'd hug us, they'd kiss us, they'd say, where have you been all my life? Uh, that also was not true. Right? <laughs> and so we started writing um, and we got, we got a following. Um, and since nobody even knew what conversion rate was online, um, we decided on using the word conversion rate optimization because we were going to conferences called search engine um, uh, strategies back then. And that was 
search engine optimization. So we decided to do that. Um, but it wasn't really um, till the early 2000s that we really got any traction. It took us like four years of writing and talking to people and, and nobody listened to us. <laughs> Still, you are very, very persistent, right? I mean, you, you, you've managed to, to, to push this, uh, this industry forward uh, at, the, at, at the moment when it was just a small baby, right? We were stubborn. Um, stubborn is sometimes a good trait. Yeah, if you're stubborn in the right direction, right? Yes. And that was a uh, that was a winning variation for you. So, how does it feel right now in in the era of I don't know where you have a lot of people claiming that they are conversion rate optimization experts. You have a lot of conversion rate optimization experts. How does it look? How how do you see the industry right now after twenty years, twenty one years? Yeah, that right. But, but little, just a little bit more. I mean, we were. We were doing some work before we started the company. So, um, yeah. but I, I, I'll tell you how it looks. It looks like a bunch of charlatans. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, uh, th there are some very good people. I could, I could name a few, but then I'd leave out others. But yeah. including you and, and um, you, you know, some of the other conferences in, in, in Europe. And th there are clearly people who we're, we're proud that sometimes they claim that they studied for, with us or they read our books. Um, but yeah. for the most part, conversion rate optimization to me is shameful. Um, we stopped doing traditional conversion rate optimization, the things we taught. We stopped doing them over, let's see, seven years ago, right? Okay. So... What happens is this, is if you do it long enough, you know that you reach local maximums very quickly, right? The, the, it, essentially, um, what, what we're describing is, you know, you, you, you're in a plane, right? And you, and, and you look and you see up the mountain, right? And it looks really high and you go up and maybe you do 20%, right? And then you're still in the plane, but you don't know that in the next valley, is a uh, you know a mountain that is so much higher and you don't because you're limited to online and what's happening over the last seven years right but you, you know since we decided it was absolutely true even though we've been working in this direction was that um, online conversion rates have something to do with what you do online right or also wouldn't exist, yeah. but actually not as much as you would think. And so we started working with people on their product, on their offers, on what happens offline, on what happens in their communications um, afterwards. And, and, and we started looking at more broadly what the overall customer experience was, right? We yeah. said in something we wrote in the year 2000 that, uh, that a conversion rate, right, is a measure of your customer satisfaction, but that in order for, for yourself to reach your goals, first your customers need to reach their goals. I mean, I'm pretty sure that in Romania, it's not different than anywhere else, right? Customers yeah. come to a website and nobody has a gun to their head, 
right? They came there <laughs> because they probably wanted to buy, if not today, right? They're curious. They want to buy at some point, right? And as they're looking at it, it's your sale to lose. Did you give them enough confidence? Do they know your brand well enough? Are the first five seconds of your your web experience, they impart confidence? And then what else do you do? And, and the thing is that on the web, the thing that's more likely to be done than build motivation, which is possible, but if that's better to do offline, okay, the bigger thing to do is not lose their confidence because... In every moment of friction, anything that goes wrong, right? And I mean anything. Your, your website loading a little too slow, having unclear navigation, not knowing what to do next or what category something is in, um, going to a category page where on the page itself, you can't define for yourself what the differences are among products. I mean, I can go on and on, but with all of that, you erode the confidence. And we are all familiar with the experience that we look at a product and we say to ourselves, I'm not sure. And then a few days later, we're sure. And it had nothing to do with the product itself. It had to do with how we arrived there and how confident we still felt. So um, when I look at conversion rate optimizers today, focused on what they're focused on, okay, which is mostly conducting as many tests as they can. Okay, I mean, really, there seems to be a competition for how many tests did we do? Okay, um, it's disappointing, right? We we look at this and we say um, we're partisan of doing fewer tests, and and mind you, um, fewer tests is relative, right? But what we're looking at is what's impactful. Right. There are people testing a, a red against a green button. And while there may be a difference, OK, there is no customer in the world who's ever consciously said, consciously said, oh, I'm going to click this because it's green instead of red. So even though you might be able to squeeze out a three percent, OK, and that might be great. How about you test the offer or you test the price? Or you test the description. So, so because those things actually matter, right? And if you get them right, they can give you much more significant gains. I, I probably just vomited, right? I, I spoke too much. No worries, Jeff. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. But how do you think the the, the level of knowledge or the 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 level of uh, of passion of uh, of real, real professionals in this field how do you think this could be uh, moving forward because you, on one side we've seen as well people that are focused on just changing the elements and just shooting in the dark and we've also seen Uh, people which are doing uh, qualitative research, deep diving into the voice of customer, understanding that there are certain words which are triggering some emotions, which are changing the behavior of their users. However, these are the the, la the later ones are quite few. But how do you think, or why do you think this uh, this is not taught in, in in schools? Why do you think this is a discipline that, after 20 years since its uh, inception, is still something that we are teaching through webinars or podcasts or blog articles. And there are a lot of noisemakers which are 
simply not helping out uh, companies to be customer centric and help their customers. So I have to remind you that 20 years is really still a short time, right? <laughs> um, you know, 20 years ago, I was still relatively young. And I, I, and I mean that, like, I'm, I don't, I'm not old today, but I'm already in my 50s. I'm still in my career and yeah. I'm not close to done, right? But I was in my early 30s when this started, right? My brother was in his yeah. 20s. Um, so first, I want to give you the concept that this has taken time, right? And also, after yeah. the dot-com crash in 2000, I'm not talking about 2008 now, in, in, in 2001, 2000, when, when the stock market crashed, when there was no capital available for startups, you have to remember that the very best people weren't attracted to digital, right? Um, some of them stayed, but very many didn't. Um, we didn't get a real um, infusion of talent until much later on. So first, this is relatively early, right? I mean, we, yeah. we wrote the first book about conversion rate optimization in 2005, right? So let's, you know, to be fair, we're now 14 years into where people had access other than through webinars and articles and stuff like that. Um, so, so I think that's one one place to start. The other one, in sales and marketing, we've always had charlatans, right? It's 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 the place where where con artists are most drawn, right? Because what credential do you have? I mean, I know people who have degrees from Harvard and Cambridge, you know, high level degrees, and and they're um, book smart, okay, but functionally idiots, right? Like, I wouldn't want them to, to work in a business with me, right? I, but they may be very good at what they do, okay? Yeah. Um, and so, in marketing, anybody who basically puts up a website and a blog can be an expert, right? They claim to be an expert, right? You, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. People say they have a best-selling book because they're they were number one in a category on Amazon. I mean, when we started out, we had to be a bestseller, but on the New York Times, that was the 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 marquee, the benchmark, the United States, right? So, but now everybody's a best-selling author, right? Um, people allow themselves to make claims, and we're also very nice about them, right? Um, you know, I I often talk to people in the industry and I hear them make claims and I know that they're false. But yeah. I'm not going to call them out because some of them are friends and some of them mean no harm. I, I'm really not, it's like, I don't want to make this into a conspiracy or something's wrong. This is just human beings in a world that depends on reputation, not really understanding it. So, um, you, you know, you have Brilliant people, you know, Carl Gills or John Ekman or, um, you know, talking about these things. Um, um, I, and, and, and I'm sorry, I need two because I can name 20 who are really yeah. legitimate, um, who understand the whole spectrum of this. However, um, the vast majority of people, okay, just haven't been doing it long enough to know that the same tactics that they're applying don't work over the long term, right? Yeah. You can optimize a site 
and then be done. Like, yeah. there's nothing more to do that's valuable. You're now wasting more time. Uh, Jeffrey, if we if we look at the the, the customers of uh, conversion rate optimization services, you've been uh, you've been a lot in this industry. What do you think are the the main the main barriers that they have in order to succeed into properly handling conversion rate optimization? Either internally, either with uh, outsourcing this to, to to an agency or a freelancer. So. Let me say, there there are some companies, like I said, who are doing a really good job, okay? Um, but the majority of companies are not. And and the problem with outsourcing, okay, is, well, first let me say, who hires them, right? So this is not a strategic initiative. Conversion rate optimization isn't looked at by even the C-suite or not even necessarily uh, in the U.S. of VP, they're kind of a... Um, you know, a general manager, right? You know, it's, it's certainly not at the managing director level and probably not at the general manager level. It's a lower uh, decision. And so first, they're looking today um, to uh, check a box to say, oh, we have this in our budget. We're doing it, even if they don't necessarily know what it is. So you know, Brian and I consider ourselves successful because after so many years of doing it, it became something that was there. Yeah. We originally thought about it. We really thought that this would be the strategic initiative. And I'll tell you the number one issue that I see, even with the very, very best agencies, is that while the agencies often can run experiments and understand the math much better um, and have the capabilities of generating different graphics or scripts or, um, you know, all the things that, that an agency can do, what they should never be able to do is understand your customers better than you, okay? And so yeah. what I think actually happens um, in, in most cases is there's nobody, not one person really responsible in the company for the overall customer experience and who yeah. really, really understands the customers. Because an agency shouldn't be able to design better um, hypotheses, right? They, they should be able to refine them and put them into the test. But the actual issue of what's important to the customer, why would somebody outside your company know it better than somebody inside your company? And I wish that every CEO could hear that, right? Because then they'd understand that they have to give this more attention, that the, that the role of the agency um, isn't to, to learn your customer better than you. But they don't understand that conversion rate optimization is about giving the customer what they want. So yeah. that's, that's, that's in general what the issue is. I know I'm, I'm, I, I could be more specific, but then I'd have to call out companies. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. Right. Inside companies, there's all sorts of issues and conflicts, right? Of why, um, what kind of barriers are in the way to good optimization? Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, Jeffrey, moving moving a bit forward, what? Tell us a story regarding a, a, a success that you you've had into into making uh, uh, a company aware about the importance of conversion rate optimization or 
maybe a, a story regarding uh, uh, some experiments or some experiment that you, you have run that you think it's worth sharing with, your, with our audience today? Okay. So I, I'm going to give you one of the things that we're proudest of. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the reason yeah. I'm going to tell you that, that I'm going to tell you this one is because it doesn't have enough traffic to be statistically significant. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, which, which most clients don't have. I mean, we actually, we worked with Google. Okay. Um, and um, even in their small to medium business AdWords department, marketing department, they didn't always have enough traffic to test everything we wanted to do. So, First, there's never enough traffic. It's always a, a scarce resource. Um, but this is a smaller company um, by, um, by U.S. standards, okay? They're a retailer. Yeah. They do approximately yeah. $100 million, and they have uh, uh, nine stores. Okay. Yeah. So when we first started the project, they hired us thinking, oh, we have, all, we have to integrate online. We have all these issues. We have all these things. I arrived at a store in San Francisco, okay? And in this store in San Francisco, one of the things that I learned was that, and, and I don't learn it on purpose, you learn it by physically being there, that there is yeah. a woman picking up messages off the phone, okay? And I said to the um, one of the owners of the business, right, there's, there's several brothers, I said, when will those calls be returned? And he says, oh, we try and call everybody back the same day. Okay? So I said, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, I pulled out my phone and I said, like, do you, do you realize that we're in San Francisco, right? That's the heart of Silicon Valley. And that on Prime Now, right, which is Amazon's app, I could have trucks, not a truck, trucks, pull up and fill the store with inventory within one hour. I said, what do you think your customers expect? Right? And, and remember, this is the important thing. What do customers expect? Not what does your competition do? Not what, no. They expect that when the phone rings, they're going to get somebody right away. Okay? So I said, look, yeah. let's do an experiment. Let's try and get it in under 10 minutes. Now, I knew they would never do under 10 minutes, but after a month, they were at under an hour. Okay? okay. Under an hour. Um, and in that month, their sales went up 11%. Okay? Now, here's the interesting thing, because that would still be anecdotal, except that today, what they did is they integrated a chat system that they do on their iPads, right? The old carry iPads. Um, and Today they fight each other to get first on that on that string. So either they can pick the phone up right away, or they can immediately return the call. Now, we were never able to do an A B split test. How do you do that, right? Who do you decide yeah. not to call? Okay, <laughs> uh, right. So think of it as a serial A B test. Okay, but sales went up from there steadily. Right, and we attribute about ten percent or so of that to the fact that they just answer the stupid phone, okay, and then and and, yeah. and call people immediately. So people always want these complicated solutions, right? But sometimes the solution is um, 
be nicer. Think of the customer. Just consider their time as valuable as yours. Um, not difficult things, right? And so we see this kind of, uh, of behavior all the time. I mean, you know, I could tell you about A-B tests where, you know, we increased overall sales by 5%. I think that the problem with those online examples is everybody tells you about the best one, right? I can tell you, um, you know, about customers who've made hundred over $100 million with our tests, okay? But first, that's not realistic unless you're already making thousands of millions, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But second, there's so much more that's in the business person's control, right, that they could do, and they're simply not paying attention, and they're waiting for somebody to tell them, let's try this or let's try that. Think about the customer. Just think about what's important to the customer, and you'll start to find what's important. Yeah, that makes totally total sense. So it's about doing first the... The, the hygiene part is like in a in a human to human relations. It's about listening to the to the needs and behaving like you would like to be treated. Yeah, but people always want to know the, the return on investment. Right. They're asking for the yeah. ROI. And I always ask them, what's the ROI of smiling at your wife or at your husband in the morning? <laughs> okay. You, yeah. you, you know, here's what I do know is if you stop doing it, the relationship deteriorates, okay? There's a correlation that we can't measure, okay? Um, and it's not a causation, right? But what the lack of smiling is, is probably the rest of the relationship, okay? Yeah. So I, 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 I look at these things and say, okay, how can it be that when I'm reading something online, that in 10 seconds after starting reading, you pop up a thing and ask me for a subscription. That's rude, okay? And so even though you may get the subscription, you don't have my respect. You forced the subscription, okay? And so you already eroded the trust, even if you got what you want. Yeah, so maybe that, would, that will mean that we are not going to be perceived quite well when we're going to be blasting our audience with emails regarding the discount for the goods that we left in the cart. That that makes sense. So well, what's we're... funny is, just to you know about goods in the cart, I like the, the mention of it. Um, yeah. Because instead of the discount, right, the best emails that we've tested say yes. it looks like you forgot something, right? Mm -hmm. If you actually offer a discount, it doesn't do as well. Very often, people were, were not ready to buy. They were doing something else. Um, and the reminder, it's, it's less forward, okay? And it may make less money from the email itself, okay? But the conversion of the customer, right? So, so here's the parameters of the test are um, over 30 days, what sells more? And so we've done this test where we offer um, 
five percent because five percent we yeah. for across the board, or we you forgot. And more than with one customer, we found that um, you do better with the customer with you forgot. Okay, um, and mm -hmm. probably repeat that a second time. Okay, um, than you do with an offer. So the the thing is that a lot of times it's also where people set the measurement, right? If you're going to measure the email alone, the offer does better. If you're going to measure the relationship, which I think you should be considering, you'll do better with the uh, with the you forgot. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, tell us, we I'm always asking this question to 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 the experts that we are interviewing here. Tell us three great ideas that you would give to an e-commerce uh, manager. One of them, you've already done it. I mean, you've, you've suggested that it's maybe better to focus on the relation itself than on the money that you're getting from, from that relation. Uh, tell us two more, if, uh, if you can. Um, well, along those lines, it's choose a different perspective. We are not the customer, right? And so um, there's a lot of techniques, we talk about them in our books for developing empathy and really figuring out how to be in the head of somebody else, right? How do you, how would you look at this if you didn't know something? As, as, as professionals, right? If we're working yeah. in a company, we're spending 40 hours a week, you know, 48 weeks a year thinking about this particular subject, whereas the person who's buying from you maybe thinks about what you do for half an hour in your life, right? And so think about what they know, what they don't know, um, how they feel about it, whether they're scared to do Just put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, so that that's another one. Um, I think the third one is this. Be careful of experts. And I hate to say this, um, but when things sound too good to be true, they're usually too good to be true. Um, you know, the people who are truly expert will tell you um, to lower your expectations. And I say this because, you know, when, when you work in a conversion rate optimization environment, especially anything you do, okay, um, so much of this depends on the customer and not on an agency and not on the testing or not even on the internal testing team unless they have control over factors that are outside of their purview, right? So we have a, we have a customer right now, a tech company, funny enough, who hasn't been able to get a test done, okay, for, well, we were supposed to launch at the end of March, and it required a, a technical solution that they're capable of that shouldn't be very hard, but they keep having impediments from their development team, right, that has other, that, that keeps getting other priorities. Well, that is not the response, like, we can't account for that when we're trying to project success, right? So we need to realize that a lot of the, a lot of optimization is outside of our area of control, 
right? And that if you're a, a customer looking to hire a conversion rate optimization agency or bringing it in-house or whatever, yeah. however else you're doing it, that you lower your expectations because it can only be as good as you are as a business and as responsive as you are as a business. Yeah, that's uh, that's something worth uh, worth remembering that we're not. There are a lot of companies that say that they have a problem and they want to solve that problem and to fix it, but the the alignment in the company is not there. So there are a lot of stakeholders inside which are actually, uh, let's say, sabotaging the the whole process. And CRO is more more of a process than uh, just like a checkbox that right. you need to tick. Years ago, when we had the agency, right, and we had that agency, and of course I was selling CRO, which I don't do anymore, right? But when I was selling it, we would have people asking us um, for references and all of that and i would say look i have references i have written references if you check out my linkedin you know i've got references from some of the biggest companies saying amazing things about how we help them and yet none of that is going to help you at all because what we know is this is that more than 50 percent of the responsibility of the success in any type of consultation is always on the part of the customer can you give me references of other consultants that you've worked with successfully? And what I found was, what was interesting, and by the way, I was serious, I wasn't just playing with them, was yeah. that, that the ones who, who actually did that, if they had success in integrating outside advice and they knew how to take it, and generally those people would work out very well. But, you know, we worked... Um, with, a, with, with another company that we shouldn't have, sometimes even experts are idiots, right? Because yeah. human beings just make mistakes. We worked with a company where the first time I met him, the CEO says, yeah, we don't usually work well with consultants. And then he got all excited and offered us enough money that, that we finally said, okay, we'll help you. And I knew better. I knew that it wasn't going to work because they don't work well with consultants. If they don't invent it, if they don't do it, it doesn't work. And so when it didn't work, I reminded the CEO that he said that. And he said, yeah, I thought it would be different. And I said, you know, it's really completely my fault because you had told me enough. And I apologized to him. It wasn't their fault because we already knew that they didn't work well with consultants. Yeah, that that's true. Some sometimes it uh, it doesn't work if the 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 head of the company is not uh, trying to 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 change it no, uh, himself. He yeah. Yeah. No, the CEO so, wanted it. It's the rest of the company that didn't want it, and so even the CEO. I mean, this is a, a several hundred million dollar company. Okay. Um, yeah. Worse everybody to just do what they say no it doesn't work that way yeah 
either way, I think the the CEO should be uh, should be aligning everyone and should be selling the dream of uh, doing this or and of making things happening. Because I'm I'm running our own business and we are a few dozens of people here. And if something is not it is not working, I'm uh, I'm just going to the bathroom and I'm looking in the mirror and I realize that's the one that I should be focusing uh, in in order to blame for not making things happen. Right, but I want to ask you a question. If you're growing by over 20% a year. Yeah, yeah, we have more than that. Right? No, no, but when you're growing by over 20% a year, a lot of times a CEO will look in the mirror and say, we're doing great. Yeah. Right? And so part of the problem is that company's doing way more than 20%. And so the CEO has the following thing. He built a culture that doesn't absorb what ideas well from outside. Okay, but yeah. also a culture that has grown phenomenally. I mean, they're one, they're, they're, one of the, they're a really huge success story. I can't name the client because I don't want to embarrass them. But um, you know, they'll be doing soon a thousand million dollars in sales. Okay, so they're building yeah. and they're very well known and people love them. But they have this insular culture, so. You know, the CEO can look at it and say, look at all this money that we're leaving, right, that we're not making. Um, or he can say, okay, well, how does it time? And so very often success hides failures. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jeffrey, we, we've been doing a research on, uh, on uh, 450 e-commerce, uh, e-commerce companies and uh, the... The things that were revealed there, the, the purpose of the research was to, to understand how people, how e-commerce uh, companies are, are keeping their customers and how they are retaining their customers and how they are allocating resources to, towards that. And the results, of course, were a bit uh, shocking, but sad but true, that's the, the reality. 70% of the of the companies are not having uh, have not allocated the person or the budget to, to to keep their customers and they are still acquisition focused however this is more predominant for uh, companies which are not having uh, uh, higher revenues but uh, the more revenue the more focus uh, towards retention what's your take on customer retention and what why do you think uh, this uh, is still a Cinderella of growth, even though at some point you can't grow if you're not keeping your customers? And the most important, the most impactful companies are very, very, very good at uh, forming habits uh, for to to their customers. Well, it's so. so here, here's what we we refocus our clients to think about this in a different way. Okay, right now. There's people responsible for retention and there's people responsible for acquisition. But we think about the product itself, right? When, the, when there's a product manager and they start to figure out how the product is delivered and what channels and what distribution and the pricing and, right, and they're, they're setting all this up, we ask them to allocate a portion of the budget towards word of mouth, okay? And what we yeah. do by that is this. The only reason that we talk about something, right, is because either it disappointed us, right, it did worse than we expected, or it made us very happy, right? So if you go to McDonald's and you wanted to go to McDonald's, yeah, you'll be okay. 
But if you went to a fine restaurant and spend a lot of money and they gave you McDonald's food, you know, with the little paper, um, you'd be very upset. Okay? So this is about <laughs> expectations. So part of what we say is what portion of your budget, some portion of your budget has to be to make the thing that you're delivering better than the customer expects. Promise A, B, C, but give them D. And that's the surprise that people talk about. When you read reviews, okay, real reviews talk about things like, I really had a problem and this solved it, or, oh my God, I found, I, I found something that was so much better than I expected. Reviews very rarely say, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay, you didn't make it work. So it's, it's shifting the psychology of that. Now, this is a problem of not looking at it at the product level. I mean, if you're looking at it, if you have a team that's responsible for acquisition and a team that's responsible for retention, and you have all these different teams and they have different motivations, then how could you have a different outcome? Um, so it's why I said to you, you have to have one person, right, who's ultimately responsible for the customer experience, right? That yeah. owns the entire customer experience. When they do that, then they know. And here's the interesting thing. And when I look at these type of studies, I'm, I never know the time period, okay, because mm -hmm. there are buying cycles, okay? So I, I look at these and I've had clients where, you know, the buying cycle is six or seven years. So, um, you know, unless you do a test like this over 20 years, you can't actually find any kind of meaningful pattern. Um, so the, the problem with these kinds of studies are, um, are we talking about consumables? Are we talking about things that are ordered over and over? Are we talking about clothing where people shop regularly, you know, sort of regularly? Or are we talking about uh, a washing machine that people may buy every five, six years, whatever it is? So um, I'm always suspicious of data like this because they put all of those type of companies together. So I, I don't want to comment directly on your data because I haven't seen how the study is composed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, going further, what's your take on uh, machine learning and conversion rate optimization? There are a lot of, uh, let's say, models right now, a lot of uh, rumors and uh, some companies that claim to do this. We are focusing in this field as well, and I wanted I want to get your uh, your your take on machine learning and conversion rate optimization. So, I've seen some tools that are really um, fascinating. They're really good. Okay, yeah. um, the biggest problem with machine learning is it's a machine. It has no intuition to speak of. Okay, so yeah. if you're talking about the local maxima concept that I talked about before, this idea that you optimize something and get it to the best that it can be, um, you'll get a lot of that, right? It's not going to look at some of the other factors that go into it. Um, but on the other hand, most people can't act on data quickly, right? So the yeah. idea that machine learning is able to make changes dynamically while the customer is there, Right, that's a huge advantage. So um, 
you know, I don't want to make something bad or good. It's a great tool. Um, if you give it the entire responsibility for optimization, um, you're an idiot. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't say that nicer. However, if it's one of the tools that you use, um, it's excellent, right? There's, there's several, I mean, I'm seeing better and better iterations of tools over the last two years, and I've seen things that are remarkable, including some startups, right, that people don't even know yet. I, I, I can't steal their stuff. I, I saw last week um, an AI um, optimization tool that if it does what they say it does, okay, they showed us the demo, they're still in in um, in stealth mode. Um, yeah. It would be amazing. I mean, basically, um, you, you know, both Brian and I were like, with our mouths open, this is incredible. First, I have to see that it's done, but there's there's very good tools. People are people are genius. They think of things um, that are wonderful. Okay, but often, um, you know, for all the the clusters that you get that that machine learning can see, right? When they're when they're looking at a customer, they're often not looking at enough data, right? Um, and the data that's available to them is still set up by human beings. And so at some point, um, AI will do a lot of the things that we say are by intuition. They'll be able to codify it. I don't see that in the next 10 years. Like, nobody's even close to that. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, what's your advice to the professionals into this industry? So you've seen so much. You've, uh, you've been there. You've actually built you, the uh, you've you've started to build this industry. How you've applied these principles in your everyday life, and what's your advice for us all to be more fulfilled? Because we look at you and you are all smiling there. So, 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 so I'll tell you: if if money is your motivation, okay, um, then that's one thing. But if your motivation is not money. Um, and Brian and I, we like money. No, I'm, I, I don't want to make you think we don't like money. We, we like it, but it's not our primary motivation. Um, once we have enough, we're very aware of Maslow's hierarchy, right? I, I, I live in a beautiful house. I drive a nice car. I live in a, in a, in a nice neighborhood. Um, I eat too much. <laughs> um, and, and so I don't get, you know, I, 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 I have a certain living that I need and I can maintain it and the rest of it has to be about my fulfillment and um, for Brian and I we decided that um, doing really the right thing by customers was going to be very hard in this industry so if you're in conversion rate optimization and you know its limitations and you know that you're going to have to evolve into a different area do that but right now um, I wouldn't recommend somebody to, to become a conversion rate optimization person. I actually don't think that they're doing um, the work that they're going to be frustrated quickly in the same way that search engine optimizers, right, 
Um, they still exist, but they're much less important. What needs to become more important is the awareness of people of holistically involving the customer experience journey. Um, if you're already in conversion rate optimization and you approached it um, very much from um, from the testing side and you understand the statistics um, or you're a designer and you, learn, and, and you learned it from that, I'm going to tell you, please learn more of the human aspects to this, the psychology, the sociology, the anthropology involved. Um, and, and then you'll be better prepared. Okay. But just be aware that unlike, let's say, an advertising agency, okay, where, yeah, you know, you, you can make a big effort. You, you can make an effort even when the customer really doesn't do their job, you can still have a big impact. In conversion rate mm -hmm. optimization, you can't do your work unless the customer does their work, and customers are very reluctant. So, um, you know, that's probably not what you wanted to hear. You probably wanted to hear a more positive message. Um, but I think that you should know what your expectations are, right? Um, so, you know, your, the, the expectations are that, that, um, that at some point you're going to be disappointed if only money isn't your motivation. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, about life itself, right? You're the more, the less expectations you have, the more happy you can be with what it is, because what it is is not going to be uh, even close to your uh, expectations level. So, yes, yeah. it's absolutely true. Right. So, and, and that's why I said, you know, but if it's money, you can make good money doing this. Yeah, that right? makes sense. Um, but 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 if you really want to make change. Um, it's probably not the place. Yeah. Thanks a lot for your uh, your wisdom, Jeffrey, and your passion. And it, it was great having you in the, in the show today. Uh, thank you. And where can people reach you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, Buyer Legends, that's B-U-Y-E-R-L-E-G-E-N-D-S.com. Uh, is, is probably the easiest place, but I'm not hard to find on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or, or what have you. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's easy enough. Great. So thanks again, Jeffrey, and uh, may we hear great things from you uh, next time. All right. Terrific. It was a pleasure. Great. So we're gonna cut this here. Uh, thanks a lot for your uh, for your time, Jeffrey. It's uh, it's been really really good to, to to take this energy that you that you have, and uh, thanks a lot for sharing it. Uh, maybe we can uh, we can, when we'll be ready to release this, we're gonna let you let you know. We're still not uh, launching uh, the podcast. We only have a video series, uh, but this is gonna be happening in uh, in two or three weeks from now. Okay. Uh, uh, do you, do you some... think you got good things from it? Yeah, of course, man. Okay, of course. I, I I never really know. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I I I say what I have to say, and I don't really think about what I'm delivering to you in this kind of interview, right? Yeah. Presentation, I make whatever happens happen, but this is a different kind of process. 
Yeah, it's been great that you've actually mixed the the, the know-how about the CRO and the, the know-how about the customers and your your life angle because yeah, people are are really hyped about what's gonna happen and they forgot to live in the present and they forgot to to actually set set uh, set the level of expectations uh, more low lower so that they are not gonna be disappointed. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's been really great to 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 have you in the show and. Uh, we're gonna. If you are interested, we're we're about to release two new products, and uh, we, it would be great to to have your uh, feedback on them. Maybe we can arrange. Uh, I don't know, twenty minutes to give you the yeah uh, tour of them. Me and with Brian, I'd love to see him. Yeah, great. We're uh, we're more focusing on the customer uh, centricity, and uh, based on our work with a few big companies here in Europe, we've developed them, and. But we still uh, we have some early success with them, but we still want to hear the experts' take on this because we're all the all the really good work today is coming out of Europe. Well, okay. I don't know. That. I, I could I could name the people and how they think, but you know who they are. Why yeah. most of them run conferences, and then you have you know Carl and Tim Stewart and Craig Sullivan, and I can name. A, a handful of others, and there's a real progressiveness. While here in the United States, um, you may have some good blog posts from uh, Pep. Okay, often, I mean, he has a great blog. I love, I, I love that blog. But you still don't see the commitment to the customer centricity here in the U.S. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy that you guys are doing it. Um, you know. Uh, I have to I have to get to Bucharest at some point. Brian says it's wonderful. Yeah, you're you're welcome to come. If you want, I can hook you up with uh, Andrei Radu. Brian has been here in at uh, at GPEC. Yes. So if you if you want to come, I, I he's a friend of mine, and he's gonna be organizing this conference in November this year. So if you are interested to come, I'll uh, I, I'll just. I, I'm uh, always uh, I'm, I'm always interested. Um, but you know, I just like I, I I've heard wonderful things, and uh, I, I've been to um, over forty countries, and so I'm always okay. So yeah, um, that's great. So I'll uh, I'll uh, intro you to him, and maybe we can see each other I, I here in, uh, in Bucharest. I, I we know each other online, so yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, see, yeah. if, if you just say that, that, that I mentioned it, it's fine. If not, I, like yeah. I said, I know him from online. Yeah, no worries. We'll, uh, I'll be glad to do this. Okay. So, Jeffrey, again, thanks a lot. I'll follow up on this so that we can arrange a 20, 30 minutes uh, meeting so that I can uh, give you the product tour of what we're building here and get your feedback on it. And yeah, that's it. Okay, perfect. Thanks. You'd be welcome. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, uh, and uh, it's been great to, to connect each other over the ocean, thanks to the technology, and we'll keep in touch. Okay. Acest reportaj este posibil cu finanțare dintr-un proiect cofinanțat din Fondul European pentru Dezvoltare Regională prin Programul Operațional Competitivitate 2014-2020.